You're listening to Outlaws and Gunslingers, the only podcast covering all of America's infamous criminals, from the Wild West to the Mafia, all the way up to the ruthless street gangs of today. Brought to you exclusively by the Creative Control Network. Here are your hosts, the Mouthy Michiganders, Bang and Dang. Outlaws and Gunslingers, here we are again. 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 We're wrapping up. This time, we're not doing Babyface Nelson. We're not doing Al Capone. Well, we're not because we've already done all those two guys that you already mentioned. Right. (laughs) Right. We're not doing... uh, Well, this one started off with quite the bang already, huh? Yeah. Yeah. We're not doing uh, uh, Scarface. No. What we are doing is... Oh, he's just a pretty boy. Pretty boy. His name is Floyd. <laughs> Floyd is Floyd. I'm that was just terrible. a pretty boy. Pretty boy. <laughs> My name is Floyd. Okay. <laughs> that's, a, that's enough, man. That's a fucking enough. People have already clicked off this episode so right. fast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're the final of our uh, infamous... Public enemy era gangsters, and uh, we'll actually well the gangsters. We'll actually have one more next week about probably some of the G men as they were called, the FBI agents, most notably Melvin Purvis Durham this time, and uh, seeing his little story because he was involved in quite a few of these guys that we've already just heard over the last four or five episodes. So of the the public enemy guys, yes. yeah. Melvin Purvis, the agent that was like involved in all of them. So uh, yeah, this one all about pity boy. His name is Floyd. (laughs) (laughs) Charles Arthur Floyd, other known, otherwise known as Pretty Boy Floyd. I mean, he does look like a pretty Babe Ruth. He was a pretty. He did do like a little baby face, (laughs) little baby face back, little baby face back bitch, (laughs) (laughs) little baby face back bitch, Babe Ruth back face bitch, (laughs) little baby back face. He was born. In Bartow County, Georgia, in 1904. His family moved to Aikens, Oklahoma, in 1911. What happened between those years? Nobody knows. Nobody he was knows. only seven. Right. And he grew up there in yeah. Aikens, Oklahoma. He was arrested at the age of 18. So who knows what the hell happened from the age of uh, seven know. to 18. So it's 11 so, years. All right. I mean, he's just a down home boy. All right. I mean, he was just there. All right. Well, he was arrested at the age of 18 after he stole $3.50, tree fitty, from a local post office. Three years later, he was arrested for a payroll robbery on September 16, 1925 in St. Louis, Missouri. Oh, no. He, he was just... sentenced to five years in prison. Wow. Five He's... years in prison? For a payroll robbery? Yes. A payroll robbery, yeah. Uh, he served uh, three and a half of those years before, in gra- before he was granted parole. He still served three and a half years. That's a long time back then to serve those type of sentences. He was uh, 21 and a half when he got out. So wow. This guy's, a, this guy's uh, in the prime of his life for he's gangsters. A, he's a career criminal already. At the age of fucking what? 18. Well, yeah, 18. 22. Was his first arrest. Out. He comes out at 22. And he's a career criminal. Damn. Man, these guys start young. Pretty boy Floyd entered into partnerships with criminals in the Kansas City underworld after his parole. Naturally. What do you do after you come out from prison? You right. go completely into the underworld. Now. Right. They're like, what? he was like, what you need me to do to prove to you that I'm here? He's like, you know, there's this world. <laughs> I'd like to go under it. <laughs> right. Yeah, and he's like, uh, I'm here in this underworld that I went under, that I that I uh, am here to 
soak into my veins. What is it you guys need me to do? And they're like, well, we got a series of bank robberies <laughs> over the next couple of years. That we'd like you we to need commit, you to commit. Please. <laughs> we need- He's like, I've never, I've always had trouble with commitment. <laughs> We'd like to sign you to a multi-year bank robbery contract. <laughs> can you commit to this multi, can you commit to this multi uh, bank robbery contract, please? <laughs> right. It's going to, it's at least three to five years. <laughs> Fourth year option. <laughs> team. Team option. Yeah, yeah you know, fucking, uh, right. no player option. No, there's no player option Actually, in the underworld. Every league. year, every year, team option. Right. <laughs> every day, team option, pretty much. Every job, right. every right. job, team every option. Every job, team option. Ah, that's good you stuff. can be fired for no reason at any time. <laughs> well, fired, contract fired, in, fired indefinitely. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> You would be indefinitely right. let go. You would be indefinitely duties. let go by your breathing duties. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, your little fucking arm hurts. <laughs> Don't worry. All those headaches. Take care of that. <laughs> anyway, my like, fingers hurt. <laughs> What's that, dear? My fingers hurt. My back's gonna hurt. Did you just pulled landscaping duty. <laughs> Anybody else fingers hurt? <laughs> I didn't think so. I didn't fucking think so. No, Mr. Gilmore, that's a tremendous <laughs> looking trophy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, after he got out of the, the prison right. area, he went to Kansas City he on a world. The, he signed the most lucrative <laughs> bank robbery contract. The most, <laughs> most, the most lucrative fucking public enemy. Uh, now contract. people are pissed because you keep hitting your mic. Right, I, can't help it. I can't help it. Uh, really... This is a shit show already. Already. All right. Floyd <sighs> entered into partnerships with criminals in the Kansas City on a world after his parole. We said that. He committed a series of bank robberies, which he signed to do over the next several years. It was a several-year contract. And it was during this period that he acquired the nickname uh, Pretty Boy. There he is. I wonder why. Well, they signed him for a bunch of money. They got to figure out how to make money right. off of him. I mean, you got to give, give him a gimmick. They sold fucking lunchboxes with Pretty Boy Floyd <laughs> on it. Give him, you got to give him a gimmick make it marketable. Lunchboxes and fucking, uh, what do they call them? Thermos. Thermoses. Thermoses. Yes. Yeah, thermoses. Well, they then. came in the lunchbox. Right. Well, anyway, Orville Drake gave in his name. Wait, Orville Drake gave him the name, gave Floyd the name because right. he would wear a white button-up dress shirt and slacks to work in the oil fields. Mm. He's like, dude, we're all in oil fields. We're all getting fucked up, and you're wearing some white button-up shirt and some slacks. Right? Why is he working in the oil fields when he was just signing a lucrative bankruptcy right. contract? <laughs> what is going on? Right? Yeah, going to development. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see how you do under uh, rubbernecking. Let's see if you're a rubberneck boy. Right. Oh, geez. Shit's about to get. Is it rough? It's not rubbernecking. It's roughnecking. Roughnecking. Right. How about it would get put you in the greasy situations? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, let's see how greasy you can get. In the oil fields. <laughs> Fucking greasy, boys. Yeah. The men. <laughs> The men on the rig began calling him Pretty Boy, okay. which was later turned into Pretty Boy Floyd. Mm-hmm. According to one account, a payroll master whom Floyd had robbed described him as pretty boy with apple cheeks. Okay. What was apple cheeks? Rosy red, probably. Well, uh, pretty boy Floyd. Dis- apple red cheeks, I guess. Okay. Oh, well, pretty boy Floyd despises his As usual, as uh, they all end up doing with their nicknames. I take it that this guy and Floyd didn't get along. Well, I take it that uh, he didn't want to be uh, viewed as a little baby bit, baby back bitch and fucking... They'll call me pretty boy, bitch. Right. All right, 1929, he was wanted in numerous cases by now. 
I'm assuming with that lucrative uh, <laughs> multi-year deal of bank right. robbery uh, signed. Yeah, no choice. On March 9th, he was arrested in Kansas City on investigation. And again, on May 7th, for vagrancy and suspicion of highway robbery. But he was released the next day. Mm, suspicion, so they mm, can get it out. Right. Well, two days later, he was arrested in Pueblo, Colorado and charged with vagrancy again. In Pueblo, Colorado. Right. He was fined $50 and sentenced to 60 days, damn, 60, 60 days in jail for being a homeless man. Well, why is he homeless? He well, signed a contract. Well, we know vagrancy doesn't necessarily mean homeless. He just right. is wandering the streets, probably drunk and fucking Most doing whatever likely, the fuck right. they do. That you know. All right. Pretty boy Floyd was arrested in Akron, Ohio. He went to LeBron James' house. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great grand or grand granddaddy's house. Or yeah. yeah. Jeremiah James. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Right. Uh, Pretty boy Floyd was arrested in Akron, Ohio, on eighth of March, nineteen thirty. Under the alias Frank Mitchell. Okay. He was charged with the murder of an Akron police officer who had been killed during a robbery that same evening. Mm, I'd like to see the evidence there. Well, obviously he got off of that because then he was arrested in Toledo, Ohio on suspicion uh, on May 20th of May. What? On suspicion, I guess. He oh, was just, right. he was suspicious. He was arrested in Toledo, Ohio on suspicion on May 20th. Right. Hmm. He was convicted of a Sylvania, Ohio bank robbery. And sentenced on November 24th, 1930. There it is. He sentenced to 12 to 15 years in Ohio State Penitentiary. But he escaped, baby. He escaped. He escaped. So in a matter of a two, three months. Well, from 19... Well, before he got arrested. It was in March. Right. Well, from 1929 to 30, he committed several offenses and was wanted for several things before he actually got caught to be sentenced to 12 to 15. So. Right. So he's a habitual offender. He was. Well, during this time, he was also a suspect in the deaths of Kansas City brothers Wally and Bull Bull Ash, B-O-L-L-Ash, who were rum runners, who were found dead in a burning car on March 25th, 1931. Fucking bootleggers up in this bitch. Uh, Members of his gang killed patrolman R.H. Kastner of Bowling Green, Ohio on April 23rd, and on July 22nd, Floyd killed federal agent Curtis C. Burke in Kansas City, Missouri. this dude's like a a loose cannon. He's just out. He's out to kill everybody, dude. I don't know what he's out to do. He's out to kill everybody, apparently. Wow, holy shit. Mm -hmm. Pretty boy. (laughs) Fuck around with this guy. Former Sheriff Irv Kelly of McIntosh County, Oklahoma, was shot by pretty boy Floyd while trying to arrest him on the 7th of April in 1932. In November of this very same year, in 1932, three members of Floyd's gang attempted to rob the Farmers and Merchants Bank in Bowley, Oklahoma. Despite his life of crime, pretty boy Floyd was viewed positively by the general public. They're like, we like him. He's pretty. As per, He's just a pretty as boy. per usual with these type right. of guys that we've seen over the uh, course of this series, show, right. whatever. When he robbed banks, he allegedly destroyed mortgage documents, but... This has never been confirmed and maybe a myth. It's not a myth. Mm. He destroyed these documents. Of course he did. These people don't have to pay nothing. You guys' mortgage are free. And that's why the people love them. Mm-hmm. He was often protected by locals of Oklahoma who referred to him as Robin Hood of the Cookson Hills. Good for him. Clearly. Got to get that local population behind you, man. Right. Well, this is where Floyd meets up with a guy named Adam Rochetti, and uh, they became the primary suspects in a gunfight known as the Kansas City Massacre, Ooh. which occurred on June 17, 1933, which resulted in the deaths of four law enforcement officers. Damn. Well, J. Hager Hoover. J. You heard Hager, this name before him. J. Edgar Hoover. We use this name. I heard this name before. J. Edgar Hoover? Yeah. Of course we did. He was a future president. <laughs> Not a future president. <laughs> J. Edgar Hoover used the incident to empower the FBI to pursue Floyd, although historians are divided 
as to whether Floyd was actually involved in this massacre at all. And now we're going to go a little bit more in-depth in that whole situation. Right. Well, this gun battle occurred when a gang led by Vernon Miller attempted to free Frank Jelly Nash, a federal prisoner. The Kansas City massacre shocked the American public into a new consciousness of the serious crimes, uh, the crime problem in the whole nation. They were yeah. like, we got a serious crime problem in this nation. Well, as 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 mentioned before, they took the life, the shooting, the killings, and this massacre took the lives of four peace officers and their prisoner. Mm. So they took the life of uh, the four peace officers and the prisoner. To free these, uh, who was to, Frank Nash to free these guys uh, at the time Nash was in custody of several law enforcement officers who were returning home to the U.S. penitentiary at Leavenworth, Kansas, from which he had escaped on October 9th, 1930. I mean, Leavenworth is so not this is what, a very good name. This is uh, three years later they finally caught this guy. He was on the run for a while. Right, and Leavenworth is not a pretty good name for holding prisoners. <laughs> I know, dude. Everybody, all these guys have broken out of it Ridiculous. or done something with them. Right. right. Well, Nash's criminal record reached back to 1913 when he was sentenced to life at the state penitentiary in McAllister, Oklahoma. Jeez. For Moida! He was later pardoned <laughs> for this murder. All right. Well, 1920, he was given a 25-year sentence at the same penitentiary for burglary with explosives. Jeez. And again, pardoned. How the fuck is this happening? Well... 3rd of March, 1924, Nash began a 25-year sentence at the U.S. Penitentiary <laughs> at Leavenworth for assaulting a male custodian. He escaped on August October 19, 1930. So this dude's been given <laughs> all, almost 100 years of fucking prison right. sentences to be fucking well, not, exalted. Well, well, life, and then two 25-year sentences. Right. Wow. Ridiculous. Wow. And to later on, keep on assaulting fucking people. <laughs> it's just like an assaulter. And this time it was a custodian. All right. What the a, fuck? A male custodian at that. Oh, no. Well, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, FBI, launched an intensive, <laughs> intensive search for Nash, which extended over the entire United States and parts of Canada, just parts. What, what kind of parts? Evidence gathered by the FBI indicated that Nash had assisted in the escape of seven prisoners from the U.S. Penitentiary at Leavenworth on December 11, 1931. I think it has to do with Leavenworth. It has nothing to do with anything else. Yeah. Whoever's in this prison. Yeah. Uh, there's got to be whoever's some, running there's this gotta prison. There's got to be a lot of corrupt fuckers right. working at the Leavenworth guards prison. guards or whatever. something's going on. Right. The investigation also disclosed Nash's close association with Francis L. Keating. Okay. Thomas Holden, mm-hmm. and several other well-known gunmen who had participated in a number of bank robberies throughout the Midwest at All this right. very so time. This, guy's, he, guy, this guy travels with a rough, tough... Group of people. Right. They're just going through the uh, Rust Belt and just fucking rabbing banks. Mm-hmm. Keating and Holden were apprehended by FBI agents on the 7th of July, 1932, in Kansas City. Information gained by the FBI as a result of the apprehension of these two in- indicated that Nash was receiving protection from his underworld contacts in and Hot where? Springs. Hot Springs are Kansas. These, these gangsters are still using our Hot Springs as a uh, Why wouldn't nice you little fucking, right, they're Hot I Springs, dude. Right, I would. So like... Natural hot tubs and right. shit. Based on this information, two FBI agents, Frank Smith and F. Joseph Lackey and McAllister, and Oklahoma Police Chief Otto Reed located and apprehended Nash on June 16, 1933 in a store in Hot Springs, Arkansas. The law officers then drove Nash to Fort Smith, Arkansas, where at 8.30 that night they boarded a Missouri Pacific train bound for Kansas City, Missouri. It was due to arrive there at 7.15 a.m. on the 17th of June, but before leaving, the lawmen made arrangements for R.E. Verter... Ver- Veterally? 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 Special agent in charge of the FBI's Kansas City office to meet them at the train station. So we need this guy to be there. Like, we need somebody there because you never know this guy. They already have six. This guy's done. This guy's already escaped. 
and pardoned and helped people escape. We need everybody we can get, man. Well, meanwhile. Meanwhile. Wait, that's not it. <laughs> what, whoa, whoa, whoa. Meanwhile, a number of outlaw friends of Nash had heard of his capture in Hot Springs. They learned the time of the scheduled arrival of Nash and his captors in Kansas City. And they made plans to free him. Okay. The scheme was conceived and engineered by Richard Tallman Galatis, Herbert Farmer, Doc Lewis Stacci, or Stocky, or whatever, S-T-A-C-C-I, and Frank B. Malloy. Vernon Miller was designated to free Nash, and while at Malloy's tavern in Kansas City, he made a number of phone calls for assistance in the scheme. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to get as much as he can. We're going to need all the manpower we can get to get this guy out of his federal protection right. here. Well, about this very time, there's two gunmen, Pretty Boy Floyd and Adam Ricchetti. They arrived in Kansas City, and they agreed to aid in the mission. Okay. Well, on their way to Kansas City, Floyd and Ricchetti had been detained at Boulevard, Missouri, early on the morning of the 16th when their car broke down. Oh. This will come into play again, another car breaking down. But uh, while the two were waiting in a local garage for the necessary repair, Sheriff Jack Killingsworth entered the building. Rochetti, who immediately recognized the sheriff, seized a machine gun and held the sheriff and the garage attendants against the wall. Floyd drew two forty-five caliber automatic pistols and ordered oh, them to no. remain motionless. Oh, no. Floyd and Rochetti then transferred their arsenal into another automobile and ordered the sheriff in with them. Mm. At this time, the two gangsters, along with the prisoner, they drove to Deepwater, Missouri. They abandoned the car and commandeered another. All right. After releasing the sheriff... They arrived, at least they re- released them, right? Maybe they should have released them before they got another vehicle, so that right. way the sheriff can identify the other right. vehicle that they're they got in. They're in this. They're right. Dumbass. I mean, come on, guys. What well, is it with these fucking, right. uh, I'm, um, I'm right. can you um, be? These, this era of gangsters, dude. If they're you're going to release somebody, at least shit. blindfold them and handcuff them and just lay them on the ground. Put them on the ground or something. Right. right. Get I mean, the fuck out of idiots. Well, after releasing the sheriff, they arrived in Kansas City about 10 o'clock at night, and it was the 16th of June. All right. Well, there Floyd and Ricchetti abandoned the car and stole another one before meeting up. Okay. All right. I get it. Before meeting up with uh, Vernon Miller, who they went with him to his home. So they went to Vernon Miller's home. They did. After arriving, Miller told them of his plan to free Frank Nash and Floyd and Ricchetti agreed to help. Early the next morning, Miller, Floyd, and Ricchetti drove to the Union Railroad Station where they took up their positions to await the arrival of Nash and the authorities. So there's here just to get this, this is, guy. Dude. This is another one of those Old West-like Basically, stories. They're right. waiting out at a train station, about to have a fucking good old-fashioned train station right. shootout and shit, dude. Mm, juicy stuff. To get the, my guy out of fucking protective mm-hmm. custody. Gotta get him out. When the train arrived in Kansas City, Agent F. Joseph Lackey went to the loading platform, leaving Agent Frank Smith, Chief Otto Reed, and Nash in the stateroom of the train. On the platform, he was met by Special Agent Vetterilli, Betterly, who was accompanied by FBI agent R.J. Caffrey and officers W.J. Grooms and Frank Hermanson of the Kansas City Police Department. Okay, so, so you got, got a considerable yeah. amount of police power here. Right, they got a nice little fucking crowd there, right? These men surveyed the area surrounding the platform and saw nothing that aroused their suspicion. Mm-hmm. Like, they're like, you know what? You know there's something about my suspicion right now? It's not aroused. It's not aroused at all. I'm feeling pretty damn good. <laughs> Betterly then advised Agent Lackey that he and Caffrey had brought two cars to Union Station and that the cars were parked immediately outside. Immediately like, outside. We bought two cars. We brought two cars and they're outside. And they're immediately out there. Like right there. They're literally parked on the steps. Like right there. <laughs> Agent Lackey then returned to the train and accompanied by Chief Reed, Agents Verderly, 
Verderly, Caffrey and Smith and officers Hermanson and Grooms, they proceeded from the train through the lobby of the Union Station. Well, at that okay. time, both Agent Lackey and Chief Reed were armed with shotguns, while the other officers carried Damn. pistols while escorting Frank Nash. I mean, these guys are like, I mean, they're they were ready. They're pretty much, I mean, yeah, they're ready to go. I mean, they're armed. They know shit's gonna happen. I mean, Frank Nash, he's a fucking. Uh, After what's already happened with uh, Babyface Nelson, Capone, and all, all these, that shit, well, these guys got to be like, hey, they don't fuck around with these motherfuckers. This is happening at the same time as these guys, right? That's what I'm saying, right. All this shit's happening at the exact same right. time. People are like, eh, we gotta be fucking... Well, upon leaving Union Station, the lawmen with their captive paused briefly. And again, seeing nothing that aroused their suspicion, they proceeded to Caffrey's car, which was parked directly in front of the east entrance of Union Station. Uh-oh. As the agents and their captive began to climb into the cars, Agent Lackey noticed that Green Plymouth parked about, mm, about six feet away. Six feet away? That's pretty fucking noticeable. <laughs> yeah, I just noticed. I had to barely <laughs> open my door to get in my car. Right. like, I actually had to... Tap on the guy's window to tell him, please, can you move? Right. I, I, I got to get in. <laughs> can I get in? Anyway. Yeah, uh, Green Plymouth parked about six feet away and two armed men approaching uh, from behind the car. Okay. Oh, shit. At least one of them had a machine gun. Well, before Lackey had a chance to warn his fellow officers, one of the gunmen shouted, up, up, as a third man with a machine gun began to approach. Special agent in charge, Vetterly, turned just in time to hear a voice commanding, let him have it. At this point, oh, from a distance no. approximately 15 feet, an individual crouched behind the radiator of another car and opened fire. Oh, no. This guy, they got... They don't call it a massacre for nothing. Wow. Officers Grooms and Hermanson immediately fell to the ground dead. Damn. Vetterly, who was standing beside office, uh, Officer Grooms and Hermanson, was shot in the left arm and also dropped to the ground, not dead. Right. As Vetterly scrambled to take cover, Caffrey was fatally Jeez. shot in the head. So Caffrey's dead. Done. Already inside the car, Frank Nash and Chief Reed were killed by bullets. Oh, oh no. <laughs> the whole reason why they came. They came and killed, they came and killed their fucking uh, extraction guy that they were coming to get out. Wow. All thing is not right here. They did it for nothing. Nothing. Agents Lackey and Smith were able to survive the massacre by falling forward in the back seat of their vehicle. How do you fall? I guess you can fall forward if you're Lackey was struck and seriously wounded <laughs> by three bullets. Smith was unscathed. Damn, dude. Came and just... They mur- came here. Like, we need to get Frank Nash <laughs> at a, this all. Is, this, is, this, is, this is our sole mission is to come here and get Frank Nash. And we ended up killing the guy. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, those three gunmen rushed to the lawman's car and looked inside with one of them shouting, They're all dead. Let's get out of here. With that, they raced toward a dark-colored Chevrolet. Just wait, then... A- this is not the stupidest thing you ever... Oh, wait. We've been talking about stupid fucking criminals. <laughs> Bonnie and Clyde. Hey, man. When you're engaged in a gunfight, I mean, Frank Nash... They weren't even... Frank, they weren't, they Frank weren't Nash even careful. Frank Nash should put his head down. Right. And come on. Seasoned criminal like him? You think you know what the hell's going on? Well, just then, a Kansas City policeman emerged from the Union Station and began firing in the direction of the killers. Oh, One wow. of them, who was later identified as Floyd, slumped briefly but continued to run. <laughs> I think he just stumbled on a rock. Right. Well, the gangsters then scrambled into the car, sped westward out of the parking area, and disappeared They're in the gone. smoke. They know the who dust. they were. They're gone. They know who they were. Well, there were three survivors on this very attack. Agent Smith, Lackey, and Vetterelli. 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 And betterly, yeah. They all said, I mean, it was like 30 seconds, guys. It was less than a minute. It was like, boom, 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 over with. Right. They were uncertain if three or four gunmen stays assault. They're like, we don't even fucking know. There's so many fucking bullets. From their account, 
it was apparent that two Kansas City police officers were killed immediately, followed seconds later by Frank Nash and Chief Reed, and then uh, Agent Caffrey took his final breath, uh, who was taken to the hospital, and he was... He, <laughs> then he, he was took dead. his final, right. final he was, breath. He was dead. Well, he was level. DOA. Yeah, he was already dead. Well, the FBI immediately initiated an investigation to identify and apprehend the gunmen. The investigation developed evidence that the scheme was carried out by Vernon Miller, Adam C. Ricchetti, and Charles Arthur Pretty Boy Floyd. Where did they get this evidence from? That's what right. I like to know. Well, the evidence included latent fingerprint impressions located by FBI agents on beer bottles in Miller's Kansas City home, identified as those of Adam Ricchetti. What's that to do with anything? Just because he was in Kansas City at the time? Of course. You just don't go hang out with somebody and like, oh, all right. Being a known criminal and not accompanying him on a fucking extraction. Following the Kansas City massacre, Vernon Miller, accompanied by girlfriend Vivian Matthias, 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 M A T H I A S, <laughs> they traveled to Chicago. They arrived in Chicago on the 19th of June in 1933. For a few days, he had out with a member of the Barker Carpus gang. Okay. From there, he then reportedly went to New York. Well, we get worried on the 31st of October, 1933. FBI investigation discovered he was back in Chicago with his girlfriend. This is a traveling fool. He's just a traveling man. Right. The very next day after Halloween, November 1st, 1933, he escaped a trap set for him by the FBI. However. However. Uh, Matthias was taken into custody. Custody. <laughs> in custody. He's he taken into custody and later pleaded guilty to charges harboring and concealing a fugitive. <laughs> well, Vivian Matthias <laughs> was taken into custody and later pleaded guilty to charges of harboring and concealing a fugitive. A fugitive. <laughs> uh, well, meanwhile, the FBI's hunt for pretty boy Floyd and Andrew Machetti continued. On the case. They never stopped. Like, we got to get these two. Right. After fleeing from the Kansas City massacre, Floyd and Ricchetti made their way to Toledo, Ohio. Going back to Toledo. Going back to Toledo, where they met Beulah, also known as Juanita. I think it's Bola. Bola or Beulah, also known as Juanita, and Rose Baird in uh, early September 1933. From there, the four traveled to Buffalo, New York, and started uh, crashing through tables. Okay. (laughs) All right. Started throwing themselves through tables. Right. 21st September, 1933, Pretty Boy Floyd and Bola Baird, using their names Mr. and Mrs. George Sanders, and Ricchetti and Rose Baird, using their names Mr. and Mrs. Ed Brennan, okay. rented an apartment in Buffalo, New York. Mm-hmm. The other occupants of the apartment building considered the two couples very mysterious. They're like, well, they kept themselves. They're kind of quiet. Nosy Nancys. They're like, well, we barely seen them leave the apartment. I don't think they did. Maybe just go get like food and stuff. Right. Well, during that time, Floyd reportedly walked from the front to the rear of the apartment almost constantly, an activity that caused much curiosity on the part of the other building occupants. Hmm. So all they hear is... Right. And this motherfucker's walking back walking and forth. Walking back and forth. Pacing. Right. The, two couples, the two couples never visited with any of their neighbors. Why would they? Some people don't like their fucking neighbors, first right. of all. But the women occasionally threw money from the windows of the apartment to no the children shit. playing in the street or offered them candy. No shit. Look at that. The FBI named Pretty Boy Floyd public enemy number one number on the 23rd one. of July yep. in the year of 1934, mm-hmm. after John Dillinger has been moited. Yes. Pretty Boy Floyd and Ricchetti, they left Buffalo. It was 18 October, which they think they left them, right? They're like, well, it had Somewhere around there, right? Uh, their vehicle slid into a telephone pole in heavy fog, though, when mm-hmm. they left. Okay. No one was injured, supposedly, because no one was at the car. The car was disabled. So they sent two female companions to get a tow truck. Oh, no. 
Okay, here. Okay. So, Pretty Boy Floyd and Ricchetti. Pretty Boy Floyd is public enemy number one. Right. And Ricchetti is basically going to die with him, so he's public enemy number two. Uh, they leave Buffalo in the middle of October. They slide into a telephone pole in heavy fog. Right. No one was injured. But then they send the two bitches with them to go get a tow truck. <laughs> the two bitches. <laughs> Wow. Well, their plan was to have the two women accompany the tow truck driver into town and have the vehicle repaired while they waited by roadside, no matter how long it took. No matter how long it took. Well, it didn't take very long because after, well, I don't know how long the car was going to get fixed for, but after uh, dawn on October 19th, motorist Joe Fryman and his son-in-law David O'Hanlon passed by observing two men dressed in suits lying by the roadside. Why would they not go, like, fucking a few hundred feet off the road? Right. Why would you stay th- <sighs> These guys are idiots. They're lying. They're just laying They're just there. laying there on the road, dude. The <laughs> what the fuck? fuck? Road. Oh, they thought it was. What? They thought it was suspicious. You think? And informed Wellsville, Ohio, Police Chief John H. Foltz. Foltz investigated with officers Grover Potts and William Irwin. While Ricchetti saw the lawman and fled into the woods, pursued by two officers while Foltz went after Floyd. Idiots, oh, no. dumb asses. Right, I don't even know if Bonnie and Clyde are the dumbest oh, now. I don't know. I don't. They're all fucking dumb. <laughs> what these guys are laying on the side of the road? They're just. <laughs> oh my That's goodness! Ignorant. Well, Floyd immediately drew his gun and fired. He and Fultz engaged in one another in a gunfight. So they're both these guys fighting each other in gunfights. <laughs> yes. During which Fultz was wounded in the foot and Potts was wounded in the right shoulder. Okay. What are these Star Wars fucking uh, stormtroopers? Right. None of these fucking agents and guys that ever sent to these guys are hitting anything. But meanwhile, they're the ones getting hit. hit right. like, what the fuck are these guys doing? In the foot. They didn't. <laughs> in the <a> foot. <laughs> they didn't have target practice. They didn't. I mean, uh... This guy got hit in the foot. Jeez. Wow. Wow. After that, Floyd fled into the forest after he hit the guy in the in the shoulder in the foot. The other two officers enlisted in the help of local police officer Chester C. Smith. Uh, who had been a sniper during World War One, and they captured Ricchetti. Oh. So, so they got this other guy with them. So they're like, Chester C. Smith, uh, we need you. Like, you're a fucking sniper in World War One, right. bud. You come with us. So they got Ricchetti. Right. Well, Adam Ricchetti, following his apprehension, was returned to Kansas City on uh, March, and on March 1st, 1935, was indicted. Indicted! 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 On four counts. Why did they wait so long? Uh, what do you, I mean, I don't know. It was October. They went all the way to March. It was already 85. 85. Uh, oh, it was not, fucking 35. October. That's true. They waited fucking how many months? Right. A couple months, four or five. I mean, it takes time. Either way, he was indicted on four kinds of murder in the first degree. His trial predicated on the indictment charging him with the murder of Frank E. Hermanson, one mm. of the police officers killed in the Kansas City massacre, began in Kansas City on June 10th, 1935. Oh, shit. June 17, 1935, the jury returned a verdict of guilty with recommendation that Ricchetti be given the death penalty. Of course. And he was sentenced to be hanged. Of course. Though Ricchetti appealed his conviction on grounds that he was insane, <laughs> the appeal was fruitless, and he was executed on the 7th of October in 1938. So he got a couple more years. A lot of stuff taking place in October uh, in this, uh, this, this story here. Right, but he got a couple more years. He did. Well, that's uh, that's the fate of Ricchetti. He's all wrapped up, tied up in this story. He got hanged. Meanwhile, Floyd remained on the run. At least three accounts exist, though, 
of the following events, one given by the FBI, one by other people in the area, and one by local law enforcement. So which one is right? I well, think by the local area people. We're about to, we're about to uh, find out for ourselves. I think by the uh, area people. The accounts agree that Floyd hitched a ride in an East Liverpool neighborhood on October 22nd, 1934. There's October again. Right. After well, obtaining was... some food at a pool hall owned by his friend Charles Joy. Okay. He was then spotted by a team of lawmen, at which point he broke from the vehicle and fled towards a tree line. This guy's a fucking moron. He's wanted by a million fucking people, and he's still going to pool halls and getting right. food and doing this. Like, right. holy fuck, these guys are dumb. Right. Officer Chester, Officer Chester Smith fired first, hitting Floyd in the right arm and knocking him to the ground. Mm. He's like, I got him. Right. At this point, the three accounts diverge. The FBI agents claim. So everybody agrees right. that... He was spotted in a vehicle and fled towards the trees. Right. Officer Chester Smith fired first, hitting him in the right arm and knocking him to the ground. Right. And this is where he gets a little hazy. Right. Well, at this very point, all the stories change. Right. The three counts diverge. The FBI agents claimed all the credit on this one. Of course they did. They were in hot shit already. Right. They denied that the local law enforcement were even present. They're like, there's no local law enforcement at this shooting. It was all FBI. Wow. According to the local police account, Floyd regained his footing and continued to run, at which point the entire team opened fire, knocking him to the ground again. Floyd died of his wounds shortly after. Mm. That's what they say. Well, according to the FBI, three FBI agents, Samuel K. McKee Jr., David E. Hall, and Winfred E. Hopton, led by Purvis, mm. and three members of the East Liverpool Police Department. Wait, I thought the police department wasn't there. Oh. Herman H. Roth Jr., Chester C. Smith, and Glenn G. Montgomery. Come on, cut it out with the middle name fucking right. abbreviations, guys. Led by Chief Hugh McDermott. We're searching the area of Clarkson, Good Ohio. For Chief. He, right. just, Hugh he got off McDermott. his ass and fucking uh, finally did something. First well, last. they were searching the area south of Clarkson, Ohio, in two cars. They spotted a car move from behind a corn crib and then move back. Uh, mm. So what we're seeing here is it was most likely small town police work. Obviously. And they call in the big boys, the FBI's, and that, of course they got to take all the credit. Hmm. Obviously, Floyd, Pretty Boy Floyd, then emerged from the car and drew a forty-five caliber, which he was accustomed to have. And the FBI agents opened fire. Floyd reportedly said, "I'm done for. You hit me twice." According to a contemporary news account, Floyd crawled out of the con crib. The con crib. Floyd crawled out of the corn crib toward the Dyke automobile. And then changed direction toward a wooded ridge. Mm. At this time, Purvis yelled, Halt! But Floyd ran. <laughs> Purvis called out, Fire! Oh, shit. And Floyd died. Four bullets. Mortally done for. Four bullets well, to his back. Even then, he was mortally wounded. He didn't die yet. Handcuffs were placed on his wrist, and Floyd asked, Who the hell tipped you? Right. He, he refused die. to answer Purvis' questions on the Kansas. He refused to answer Purvis's question on the Kansas City Massacre, but did say, I'm Floyd. Where's Eddie? Referring to Adam Ricchetti. Right. Thinking he had been shot twice, he remarked, you got me twice. Purvis did not disclose Floyd's last words. Mm. Allegedly, four days before, Floyd and two accomplices had robbed a bank of 500 bucks. Oh, my God. Floyd's share of his last bank robbery was $120. Are you serious? I mean, it's still a grand or so, but I mean. These guys, this, this is one of the most, pretty boy Floyd. He's one of the most well-known Hundred twenty dollars. Hundred twenty bucks. Get the fuck out of here. Hundred twenty bucks. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> this guy is very uh, disappointing, Pretty Boy Floyd. <laughs> it is. Oh, what was found on Pretty Boy Floyd was a pocket watch that had ten notches, allegedly for ten persons Floyd had killed, 
Damn. So this motherfucker's not notching his fucking murders on his pocket watch. Another notch in the watch. <laughs> Retired. Right. Another notch in the watch. That's another notch in the watch. Right. Retired East Liverpool police captain Chester Smith described events differently in 1979 issue of Time magazine. Okay. He was credited with shooting Floyd first. He stated that he had deliberately wounded Floyd, but I didn't want to kill him. Hey, he was a sharpshooter in the in the army in World War One. so that's that's completely plausible and this is what he said he says i knew purvis couldn't hit him so i dropped him with two shots from a 32 winchester according to smith's account floyd fell and did not regain his footing and smith then disarmed him well at that point purvis ran up and ordered back away from that man i want to talk to him purvis questioned floyd briefly and received curses in reply so he ordered agent herman hollis to fire into him oh no just to murder the guy hollis then shot floyd at point blank range with a submachine gun killing him that's bullshit so this is what uh that's murder. This is what Chester says. That's murder. <laughs> yes, it's murder. It's murder. <laughs> That's murder. It's murder. Wow. Mm. Okay. And and gets, that, and gets, a, gets a little deeper here. Wow. The interviewer asked if there was a cover-up by the FBI, and Smith responded, yep. <laughs> <laughs> he said, sure was, because they didn't want to get it out that he'd been killed that way. So we had they had to figure out something else, right. right? FBI agent Winfred E. Hopton disputed Smith's claim in a letter to the editors of the time. It was published in November 19, 1979. He stated that he was one of the four FBI agents present when Floyd was killed on a farm several miles from East Liverpool, Ohio. Uh, well, according to him, members of the East Liverpool Police Department arrived only after Floyd was already mortally wounded. Oh, get the fuck out of here. Uh, he also claimed that when the four agents confronted Floyd, he turned to fire on them, no. and two of the four killed him almost instantly. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, Smith's account said that Herman Hollis shot the wounded Floyd on purpose's order, but Hopton claimed that Hollis was not even present. I mean, nothing makes sense. Here we go. Nothing makes sense. Here we go. Just like Dillinger and the uh, bodies not matching up. FBI. Look at the FBI fucking uh, hiding shit and doing well, uh, like, creepy shit again, dude. We can't do this shit by the law anymore. We just need to take these motherfuckers out. Idiots. That's what they're doing. Yeah, they're just murdering. Fucking, they're just murdering. They're no better. They're, they're no better than Pretty exactly, Boy Floyd. Exactly. The fuck out of here. At least one other source discredits Smith's version. Okay. Stating that although Smith's story received wide currency, Hollis was not at the orchard that afternoon. Mm. Hollis's FBI profile does not mention his participation. Of course, in this why, why would they put it in there if they're fucking trying to hide it? That's the only way he said it. Well, his profile doesn't. Well, his profile doesn't say it. Get the fuck out of here. Hopton also stated that Floyd's body was transported back to East Liverpool in Hopton's own car. What the fuck is that? What the fuck does that have to? Is that seriously in this? Just to let you know that Wait. Floyd's body was transported in Hopton's car. But Hopton wasn't there. <laughs> Hopton wasn't there, but the fucking thing <laughs> got transported in Hopton's car. What? What the hell is going on here? I don't even know what the hell's... Uh, Actually, the, the past four fucking paragraphs, I'm totally confused. <laughs> Everybody's like... I'm so confused. He did it. They did it. So what happened? Chester says that... Oh, we he know. Was, Chester says that he was the one that shot him in the arm and disarmed him. And then Purvis walked up, wanted to ask some questions. He said he swore at Purvis, and then he ordered Purvis ordered a guy to guy. murder him. This is a murderous guy. He ain't talking. They're saying that Hollis wasn't even there. Hollis was the one that supposedly murdered him, or Hopton, I mean, right. or Hollis, Hollis, Hollis. And then they're saying that Hollis wasn't even there, and that uh, 
they turned and fired on him. He turned and fired on them, and then they killed him. It was Hopton. Hopton is one that disputed the claim, and then he was they, he, the body was taken away in Hopton's car. Hopton wasn't even there. Yeah, Hopton's the one that disputed the claim. Hollis wasn't there, supposedly. He was taken away in Hopton's car, not Hollis's car. So we little we yeah, overreacted. That Hollis, we overreacted. No, it says that Hollis shot. That's what fucking the sheriff deputy said. Right. The sheriff said that fucking Hollis shot the guy. Right. But then the FBI, like, the then FBI said, like, no, that's not what happened. Uh, we shot him down because he turned the fire on us. Uh, After the story that Chester said, uh, um, Hopton came out and said, no, that's false. Hollis was not even there. Uh, and that the body was taken away in my car. I'm sure it was. Mm, right. Hmm. I don't know. It's a shit show now. Floyd's body was embalmed and briefly viewed at the Sturgis Funeral Home in East Liverpool, Ohio, before being sent on to Oklahoma. His body was placed on public display in Salisaw, Oklahoma, with his funeral uh, being attended by between 20,000 to 40,000 people and remains the largest funeral in Oklahoma history. Wow. He was buried in Aikens, Oklahoma. Pretty boy Floyd. The guy did nothing, really, in his whole life. He shouldn't even be in this fucking Outlaws and Gunslingers fucking episode because the guy did nothing. You know, just killed at least 10 fucking lawmen and people. Yeah, but did nothing. He was just a, a maniac. He was a bank robber. Same as Dillinger, same as uh, uh, Nelson, same as Kelly, same as all of them. I guess. And then the biggest, this is this is where we're getting to biggest fucking government The biggest, I think, I think the biggest things we're taking away from this, this is, is where conspiracies come along. Especially during the public enemy era, how the FBI is covering up shit. They lied. They completely lied. Like gonna, like with Prohibition, they're underwater because all the Prohibition stuff that happened. And now they botched the Dillinger thing. They botched the, the uh, Babyface Nelson the, one. They did a bunch of fucking shit. They're covering up small their tracks. Town, this small town uh, law enforcement is not going to lie what happened. Oh, maybe they maybe they are because they want the recognition. Instead of the FBI. Mm. But it seems more likely they're telling the truth because right. as, as we've seen, and if you guys have been with us over the past few episodes, the right. FBI's been doing some pretty shady shit. Right. And Jay, at this point, J. Edgar Hoover right. was facing uh, yeah, he's done. complaints to step down yeah, or he, dismantle the whole FBI at this point. Right. Anyways. He fucked and, up. And yeah, he needed, he needed some positive stuff to spin on the FBI to make them seem like they were doing good. Shit was getting bad. But either. Yeah, I don't know. I seem to think I believe the, uh, the locals on this one. Obviously, Pretty Boy Floyd was shot and murdered at this very time and date. But the circumstances isn't what we're being led. Either or, he got gunned down. He did. For sure. Definitely. But it's Chester's story, the right one, where he was already unarmed, and then Purvis came up and said, kill this motherfucker. I think that's it. Or did he really turn and fire on them so nope. they had to kill him? Nope. I think that's it. We know which one it is. <clears throat> You guys, I don't know, after reading this and uh, going back and doing your own research on it, like I hope you I, uh, all will, mm-hmm. um, you tell us. What do you guys think actually happened? Email us, bangdangpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts on this story. And that's the end of the public enemy era of these guys because I can't take no more of them because they're all fucking stupid. The whole, the whole lot of them. They're all dumb. 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 Idiots. But it's still not the end of the 1930s era. It so. sure ain't because we got a lot more in the 1930s, but... Before we officially end the public enemy era, we will profile Purvis and maybe a couple other uh, yeah, prominent we, G-men. We gotta get Purvis's dumbass out there. This guy's clearly got some fucking uh, got some fucking uh, scum maybe, on him. Maybe we'll even do an episode of uh, old Jay Edgar himself. Um, mm. Yeah, that's coming up. 
Pretty Boy Floyd. Not the story you thought it was going to be, is it? Well, if people know a story, then yes, it is the story that they thought it was going to well, be. They but know this story. Did anybody was well, how many people are aware that there's all these different accounts of what actually happened to him and who? Unless you're a big fucking uh, right. fan, excuse me, big fan, you're a big of, fan the 30s. of this stuff and yeah, yeah. I personally believe, and there's probably uh, more. There's probably more in this that we don't know. Why? Why that we didn't dig into? I personally no. Trust me, I'm. Every website there is about him says the same thing. I'm sure there's books about um, Pretty Boy Floyd. I'm sure there is. A, I ain't got time to read a fucking 800 page uh, biography of Floyd one week before we record. So, right. sorry guys. Um, everything that you need this to know is, what is here. We were given by the government, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> I'm surprised we got this. Much. Um, yeah, I personally believe it was uh, Chester's account. Where Purvis was just like, kill this motherfucker. We can't be having him uh, alive, right. number one. Right. First the, of all, the, the yeah. whole goal of the FBI right now is to eliminate the public enemies. They've been, they've been in this era. They right. eliminated every everybody right. who was public enemy. Their their instructions were legitimately eliminate. go and take these motherfuckers out because these guys were just murdering people anyway. Right. So and so they finally got him and they 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 shot him down. He's laying in, in across the field or whatever, and they walk up to him. And he was like, "Tell me what I need here." And, he's and like, if you, he's like, "Fuck you!" <laughs> Spitting his face. If he's you like, watch, murder him. Public Enemies, the movie with Johnny Depp. In the beginning of the movie, they 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 do this scene where they walk up to him, they literally shoot him dead. Right. They shoot him while he's running away, and then they walk up to him, shoot him. Right. Um, it's Channing Tatum, by the way. Right. Um, but that's actually false in the movie timeline because he dies after Dillinger. Right. Obviously, yeah. but uh, either way, the the whole description i think of they do it is accurate because i believe in the movie they walk up they shoot him while he's running through the field and then they walk up and shoot him dead right, and they just murder him they might he might fire at him <clears throat> when he's no because he's just laying there i think he just dies either or mm, um at him. yeah i definitely believe the uh the local guys over the fucking he FBI. Him. they murdered the fbi the has shown us no signs that we can trust them over right. these last few episodes <laughs> they murdered so the guy. Um, like i said they murdered the guy what do you mean, guys did he not deserve it i'm sure he did he killed a I bunch mean, of police officers right. innocence all right so uh whatever you guys believe let well, us that's know now that's not what justice is in america i'm sorry you just don't murder a guy well back in the 30s it was that's still how it is now today. <laughs> right. Well, let us know what you guys think. Bang dang podcast at gmail.com. We'll be next week. We'll be next week. We'll be back next week for Melvin Purvis and maybe some, I don't know, depends on how long Purvis's story is, but we'll try to squeeze in a couple other uh, G men slash FBI agents uh, in there as well before we move on to the rest of the 30s and ultimately making our way to we're getting to the uh to the uh we're getting to our gold to the meat and potatoes of this series pretty much uh when we eventually get to the mafia but we still got mm. the 40s and 50s to go before we even we even get there we got one more mozzarella stick left <laughs> <laughs> we're getting to the fucking uh ribeye and go fucking... check out our other stores yeah. our stores <laughs> what we got them everywhere <laughs> got them everywhere <laughs> go check out our other shows the bang a dang show wherever you get your podcast the Monday Night Watch Along, wherever you get your podcast, and Lee and Corey on the case, wherever you get your podcast. There's it's too long to to explain them all, so just look them up. You definitely want to listen to Lee and Corey on the case. Yes. If you like... Uh, I just said it's too long to explain it. Tonight. Well, if you, you like mystery and we do role playing, I mean... We- <laughs> whoa! 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 <laughs> I mean, come on. We do not do role playing. We do our own skit. It's it's a skit show, and we it's it's me. It's, it's bang and dang. It's a shit show. Is it's, what it is. Yeah, it's a shit show. But bang and dang are doing it all. 
You definitely want to listen to Lee and Corey on the case. Right. Other ones, fuck off. Lee and Corey on the case, the Monday Night Watch Along, and the Bang and Dang Show. Look them up wherever you get your podcast. You'll find us. We'll pop up as soon as you type it all in. Right. <laughs> uh, other than that, like I said, next week, Melvin Purvis, possibly some other guys, but definitely Melvin Purvis. We'll be back. We're the Mouth of Michiganders with Bang Dang. <laughs>